Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Driving Force Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst turned endurance athlete. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is a former tennis opponent of mine who's now running his own healthcare technology company out of Boston. Jared Taylor was the first person from his family to graduate college and did so in a remarkable two and a half years. Always an intensely driven and hardworking person, he held three jobs at once, one full-time, two part-time, before taking the leap into full-on entrepreneurship. Today, he's the founder and CEO of Block Health, a cutting-edge healthcare technology company looking to positively change the industry by unlocking healthcare professional data and making it shareable. So, without further ado, my interview with Jared Taylor. Yeah, I mean, how's how's everything been going, man? It's been a while. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been. Uh, it's crazy to think it's been several years. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing you because you played at Bentley, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, we didn't play each other um, when I was at Franklin Pierce, but I think you played someone on my team at one point. Um, but yeah, no, it's been been a couple of years for sure. <laughs> yeah, are you? Uh, do you still have time to play any tennis these days with all that you've got going on? Not as much as I'd like to. I I actually was it last year I tore my groin playing pickup basketball, and as you know, with tennis, um, a groin injury is pretty critical to being able to move well on the court. Oh yeah. Uh, so I really couldn't play for several months. And then since I wasn't playing, um, I had like weird injuries like after college, but I like tore my rotator cuff one time. And when I, you know, when I was playing, it was fine because I it was getting used. But then when I stopped playing tennis with the groin injury for several months, now like getting back to that serve motion is like really difficult. Like the arm doesn't want to move that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So to answer your question, no, not, not that much. And I, I want to get out there more, um, you know, this, this winter heading into spring for sure. Yeah. Are you, so are you living around the Boston area? I just moved into Boston, uh, in October to, to be closer to our office. Uh, our office is right near North station TD garden. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely nice having a, a much shorter commute. And being able to spend more time, at, you know, with the business and networking around the area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, when we played a match down in Florida. It was you know two kids from New Hampshire. We randomly drew each other in the first round, um, at a junior tournament down there, and and I can I can remember pretty much all of my matches like I've ever played. It's kind of crazy. Um, in our match, I remember that your your intensity was noticeable from the warm-up <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh you know definitely throughout the match um it's almost almost a little scary and maybe uh you know just uh, to be uh, honest a, l- a little annoying but um <laughs> i don't know if you remember that but um no i do no you um i remember no we had a good match you uh you pulled it out i think it was was it three sets or was it like uh, we did a tie break or something? Yeah, it was a third set super tie break. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I remember one of the other guys I played in that tournament too was like the ping pong champion at like Bulletary, something like that, <laughs> and they played me like right out of my shoes. <laughs> I literally like ran out of like both of my shoes during one of the points. Um, yeah. No, that was. Uh, you're not the first person I've heard that from. Um, I think it went away a little bit as I got more into into uh, like you know, later in high school and in college. But I mean, I've always had some some level of intensity. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, that's funny. I'm glad do, you remember though. <laughs> oh yeah. Do so. Do people tended to describe you as an intense person? Um, you kind of alluded to it. That might have you know faded away. Um, but just wondering, um, again, I mean, I guess intense can fall into the bucket of like focused. I've always been very 
very focused. I've known what I want for a while. And, um, you know, I go, I go all in when I'm, when I'm focused on, on something. So I guess there can be a level of intensity that comes with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it wouldn't be the first time I've heard that. Yeah. I, I have heard some people call me intense. Where do you think this, um, uh, like your intense focus and, and work, work ethic comes from? Um, I don't know. It's, you know, my, my parents were always really supportive in everything that I did, but, um, like I was, so I was the first person in my family to like graduate from college. You know, my, my mother works for the school district. My father's in construction. We're kind of, um, you know, I'm appreciative of all their support, but we're kind of you know, different people. Right. Um, I've always been focused on business and things like that. Uh, my grandfather has been a big supporter. He was always very businessy, um, really pushed to focus. And, you know, you go all in on something that you believe in. So I, I guess you could say him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, I had some good teachers in high school and in college too, that helped kind of push me in the right direction as well. But um, there, there's really no one person. There's kind of a, a couple people that played a role. Gotcha. And how much would you say that your, um, your, your motivation is in, intrinsic versus ex, extrinsically motivated? Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say a 50, 50 split. Um, it, it's yeah, I, I guess that's the easiest way to put it. Um, you know, it's, I, I just really want to change, like, you know, for what we're doing, especially now with, uh, within healthcare, I want to positively impact the industry. Um, but it, it, it's actually, it might even be, it might even be a different split than that, but it's really about creating that change. And, you know, there's, there's other things that can drive, um, you know, my motivation beyond that, but that's really the core thing is, um, really creating something that people get excited about in the space that really helps out their lives. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think, you know, just you saying that I would guess that it's maybe a little bit more towards intrinsic than extrinsic. Cause, um, the way, the way you describe that, um, it seems like, uh, there's like a greater sense of purpose there rather than just to build a business and, kind of make a lot of money in a uh in a hot space if you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i i mean when i when i did a lot of research on entrepreneurs like growing up and stuff and if you try to just chase the the money um it doesn't always happen but if you try to build something really big then the 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 money will follow the the value creation will be there but if you're not driven by that purpose, it's not. It, it won't be enough. Even the money won't be enough to to put you through all the stressful periods and, and make it through that situation. Yeah. Um, how much does money drive you? Uh, I mean, it's it's certainly on my on my mind. Uh, you know, my mind quite a bit. Um, I mean, I, I want to, you know, be able to create a business that's, you know, that's worth a lot of money and that's, um, like I said, providing value, but it's not my only core driver. You have to love what you do. I mean, you could get paid all the money in the world to do something, but if you don't love it, you're not going to be the best at it and you're not going to go through all the ups and downs. I mean, if it's just about money, the downs are going to be tough to push through. But if it's not just about money, you can push through the downs because you have the bigger purpose attached with money and and other things as well. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. And I think, um, kind of there's these like two big, um, I guess ideas going around these days that are, that are kind of in conflict with each other. One being uh, what you just mentioned, which is the 
kind of do what you love, follow your passion and kind of the money will follow if you work really hard. And then there's also this grit culture, which is kind of like, just put your head down and, uh, they'll charge ahead. And with the people like Gary V and Elon Musk, who, um, who I know kind of, kind of spearheaded this culture. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on this sort of grit culture and kind of, do you think it's unhealthy in any way? Yeah. And I didn't really, you know, I remember when we were first just getting going, I'd be sleeping at three, five hours a night sometimes not getting sick, which was really interesting how that, that wasn't happening. Um, Hmm. but I don't know. Like I, I've always been a fan of of you know, Elon Musk and his you know, work eighty to a hundred hour a week mentality, and and then you look at Gary, uh, you know, similar mindset, right? Um, I think things are changing now, though. I think it needs to be you know you need to especially in the first initial years you need to work you know, put everything into like a business, work really hard, um, but don't just work hard, work smart. Right. And sometimes you can work smart and, you know, maybe not put in as many hours, but you accomplish just as much as someone that's working hard. So it's, it's about finding that fine line and uh, doing what works for you because the working 80 to hundred hours a week doesn't work for some people. Some people can do the 50 to 60 and will excel at it. So it's about finding what works for you and then, you know, sticking with it and adapting when necessary. Yeah. Why, why do you think that, you didn't really get sick when you were only averaging three to five hours of sleep a night. Do you think that your body just kind of knew it was, it needed to be like on this, on overdrive and it couldn't afford to get sick? Like what, what, what do you think? Yeah, that was a line I always used to tell people, right? I can't afford to get sick. Uh, that was definitely something I would say. Uh, I drank a lot of coffee. I think I was so caffeinated that even if I was sick, my body didn't know it. And um, I tried to, you know, I, I still tried to eat relatively healthy during that time. So my body was still getting the proper nutrients and things like that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think it was just pure adrenaline. And like you said, my body just talked itself into it you can't afford to get sick. And so it didn't, <laughs> um, I'm sure that's not the, the best explanation if someone was really diving into the situation, but that's what I felt like at the time. Yeah. And, uh, what, what time period was that? Uh, it was probably last summer. Uh, I was commuting into Boston from New Hampshire too. So some nights I would sleep in the office and things like that. Jeez. And, uh, <laughs> uh, well, it just made sense, right? If you're, if yeah, you're working true. late rather than driving back to New Hampshire, just, stay on you know sleep on your desk or sleep on the couch and, <laughs> and and wake up and go at it the next morning yeah yeah um okay so i guess before we get into um you know block health and the inspiration behind it um i want to touch on your college years mm-hmm. so uh where, where did you go to college franklin parish university Got it. And I think I read somewhere they graduated graduated in two and a half years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was I wanted to get out of school as fast as I possibly could so I could start making money rather than paying money. How, how did you I guess how did you manage to do that? Did you just take a lot of yeah. classes each semester or like what I mean that's probably the quickest answer. Mm-hmm. Um I came into Franklin Pierce with like a semester's worth of college classes that I took in high school. And then I went to the registrar's office one day and said I wanted to take more classes, but the way our school structured those classes was like, it, you had to pay like, for, not not per class, but like per credit over what was uh, allowed in like your tuition. And like, it would end up being like $3,000 for like a class or something like that, which I mean, you know, some classes were great, but some classes were not worth $3,000. So I asked what other options there were and they're like, well, if you got approval and classes that you would want to take from other schools were okay, um, if, you know, if the Dean signed off on it, then you could do that. Well, I thought they, 
might've been thinking that I'd only take a couple. Well, I went through and researched all the classes I could take in the area. And I wrote down every single one. I had like 15 or 20. So I was doing essentially reverse transfer by taking outside uh, courses and transferring them in, but getting them approved before I would even sign up for them. So once they were approved, I would go and take as many courses as I possibly could and transfer them in. Um, so it was, I think my spring semester of sophomore year, I, I ended up taking 29 credits, <laughs> which was not fun. <laughs> I was just going to ask, what was that? What was that workload like? Oh, geez. It was, it, it's not, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of work involved just because of the, how many classes I was taking, but it's, there was just so much work and remembering when everything was due, right? Because in college, it's, it's a lot of assignments, like they, they give you a lot of time to work on them. It's about you know, time management. But when you're taking that many, it was like really hard to manage my time. And plus I had tennis and like, um, just a, a bunch of other things that were going on, but yeah, it wasn't fun. I remember getting those uh, was it cognitive migraines where like you can't see out of one eye because <laughs> looking at like books too long <laughs> and thinking that like something was really wrong with me when it was just a migraine. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, I got a lot of bloody noses back then too, which I don't know why, but maybe just pure stress. But yeah, it was not fun. I, I it's it would have probably been better to have started that process sooner rather than trying to take that many credits all in one semester. Yeah. Did you have to sacrifice a lot of the, I don't know, kind of, you know, your usual like college experiences, you know, like partying and all that, all that sort of stuff in order to graduate in the amount of time that you did. Yeah. I did see many of my friends sophomore year. Actually, when I came back, to finish things up the next year, people thought I left and they were like, <laughs> when did you, you transferred back? And I'm like, no, I didn't transfer back. I just, I, I just didn't see you that much last semester. Um, it, it was just tough to, you know, uh, kind of schedule that, that social time with friends. Um, when trying, and, and a lot of friends, you know, didn't understand why I would even want to do that. Uh, so you know, for those type of friends, I didn't really want to even be friends with them anymore, right? If they couldn't understand what my ultimate vision was. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, didn't, didn't have much time for that during that time period. Mm -hmm. Do you, I guess, do you regret that at all looking back or are you kind of happy with your decision? I'm happy with the decision. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted, you know, there was, there was two reasons, right? I wanted to, uh, I wanted to see how much pressure I could put on myself without cracking. Okay. <laughs> because I, I, I was looking, um, you know, when I, cause when I graduated, I went into investment banking, uh, ah, okay. I found out I did, you know, and I, um, I didn't come from a school that was known for producing people in that space. So I needed a way to stand out, you know, besides like my network. And uh, I was like, man, this is going to be a really good story in an interview to also be able to tell people like how I put myself through this stress. Um, you know, maybe if they think I can do this, I can do anything. So there was, there was a dual motive there uh, for sure. And um, I mean, it was true, the stress piece. Like I, after I went through that, I felt like I could do anything. Yeah. Did you do did you do a lot of any internships while you were in school too? Had a lot of internships. Um, you know, in that two and a half year period, three if you count going from uh high school into college, I had about uh five internships. Um mainly in the kind of investment banking, private equity space. I also interned at Fidelity Investments. Learned a lot, tried to meet as many people as I could while I was at all of these internships. And, um, you know, I still still remain connected with uh, all my managers at those jobs today, which is really cool. Anyone in particular kind of stand out from the rest? Um, yeah, probably my, like my, was it my second internship, which was at a 
company called Capsule Technology. They're out of uh, North Andover. And they're uh, like a medical device company. Oh, sure. And what's what's interesting about them is, you know, I took a marketing internship. Marketing was my minor. And I learned so much with them about uh, interoperability and healthcare and uh, about leveraging the cloud to, to store data and things like that. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know I was going to be in healthcare. And then full circle back, uh, that experience really helped me when I was first starting things that would block health. So it's it's funny how those things work out. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. Do you think people um, judge you or maybe overlook your work ethic, um, you know, in smarts because you didn't go to some fancy ultra-selective college? I think when you look at the maybe the initial look test, uh, I think that happens. But I always say, you know, I'm I'm a avid book reader, um, and uh, you know, I, I find lots of mentors. If if I get the opportunity to sit down with someone face to face, I I don't think they'll feel that after uh, after speaking with me for a little while. So. Um, I used to think that more. I don't think that as much today. I think it definitely matters, especially early on. But as you build a, a track record of uh, other people that know you and can vouch for who you are as both a person, as you know, either entrepreneur or business person, so to speak, it, uh, people stop thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Was, it, um, was it, I guess, hard early on to kind of... Um... I don't know, I guess, prove your, yourself to kind of to those people um, in a way, whether it was like um, interviewing for inter- internships and stuff like that. Yeah, you just, at you know, in the early stages, I just would have to, you know, it was a, a lot, of, lot of averages, right? I would just maybe have to apply to a little bit more because knowing that not all of those opportunities that I were applying for were going to even give me a shot to come through the door. Um, I always got the job if I had a face-to-face. If I didn't have a face-to-face, I can't say the same thing. But when, uh, whenever there was a face-to-face, things usually worked out really well. Uh, why do you think that that is? I, just being able to, you know, when there's a face-to-face situation, it's, it's, it's easier to cut through, you know, any BS that's there it's much easier to, to look into someone's eyes. So when someone's talking with me, um, you know, and I'm looking in, back into their eyes, uh, they can tell I'm not lying about certain things. Uh, they, can, they can get a sense of your work ethic. This is where they get a taste of what you said earlier, right? Certain intensity, a, a focus, look into to what you're doing. And you can't, you can't look on a resume or on uh, in a phone interview necessarily and kind of see and feel passion, right? Passion is such a key driver in, in business and in any job. And uh, being able to have those face-to-faces and show how passionate I was about you know, everything um, re- related to business was something that uh, I, I really viewed as valuable. That's awesome. So so you graduate college. We're were you off to the races to start building block health or did you go get some work experience first? Yeah, I went and got some work experience. Um, I signed up about a month before graduation to go work for this investment bank called JSI capital. Uh, they were out of Manchester, New Hampshire. And, and, um, I think they since got absorbed by their parent company, but you know, it was weird because this thing I studied for, for those years and through all these internships, when I finally got into it on a full-time basis, I'm like, I don't like this. You know, I'm a, I'm a salesperson. I'm used to talking to people and now I don't talk to anyone. I'm in a spreadsheet (laughs) or I'm doing something else. And, and, and I still liked it. And when I was doing it in an internship, I guess you never had the full exposure of it for, they, they would still go a little easier on you. And I was like, wow, I don't like this. So I did something I never thought I'd do. I thought I was going to be at my first job, you know, for at least a year, 
you know, maybe two, three years to, to learn as much as I could. And, um, you know, I decided to leave, I think it was after seven, eight months and do something that I didn't, I never thought I would get into, which was actually healthcare staffing and consulting, um, for this company called Medicus Healthcare Solutions, which was a large recruiting company. So I went into sales for them in their hospital medicine division, and then later switched into their anesthesia division as business development executive. Basically, I would sell into hospitals, health systems, and like ambulatory surgical centers, anesthesia groups, and determine if they needed our staffing services or if they needed our consulting services. And really got me a good introduction into healthcare and all things like credentialing, licensing, onboarding of healthcare professionals, staffing, and so on. And uh, at the same point, I was probably doing 50 hours a week there. I also signed on to work for a startup that was uh, called Go Go Hire out in San Francisco, which was backed by 500 startups, the uh, accelerator out there. And um, I'd probably do another 30 hours a week working for them, and then about another 10 to 15 hours a week teaching tennis lessons on the weekends. Jeez. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was a lot. Um, so at Gogo Hire, I was the head of customer success. Like it was funny because here I am on the East Coast, and you know I have this full time job, and if you called the Gogo Hire phone number, it would go to me. Like even if I was at my full time <laughs> job. So um, luckily, not many call- because of the time difference. Not many calls happened during uh, working hours. Um, but it it was just funny about how that happened. But um, yeah, and GoGo Hire was a, a marketplace for sales professionals looking for Series A or jobs at Series A, Series B startups in the Bay Area. Um, you know, your, your typical SDR role or business development roles, um, sales engineer types of stuff like that. Right. Um, and I guess why did you decide to take on? Uh, that role at Gogo Hire when you were already working a uh, full-time job at Medicus? I wanted to work for a startup. Um, I, I knew I couldn't do full-time at the time um, for both, you know, the risk and um, just uh, I, I needed to, to learn a little bit more. And I also wanted to work for a startup so I could just learn more about the startup way of things while also being in a bigger company. And it, I mean, it took a while. I reached out to a lot of people on AngelList. And lucky for me, GoGoHire gave me a shot. I'm still really close with the, the founders today. Uh, still talk with them on uh, probably every few months, see how everyone's doing. But yeah, uh, I'm glad I did. It was a really good experience. And it taught me a lot. And uh, it's definitely been helpful. Um learning how a successful marketplace works. Yeah. And going back to, to Medicus and your job there in sales, what did you, um, I guess, what did you enjoy most about, about that role and what did you not enjoy? <laughs> I hated bureaucracy. How, like, and, and how, I guess, non- I don't know how we want to say this, um, how the company wasn't innovative. Mm-hmm. I think they were when they started, but then they got really content with sticking with very manual uh, steps in every process that they dealt with. I didn't like that. I didn't like, yeah, I didn't like how many people they needed to, create a successful business i thought they could have automated a lot more what i did like was i got some really good sales training there um from from two of the top salespeople that the company ever had which was really great really valuable and i got to learn how healthcare works you know a part of healthcare um but a part of healthcare that's definitely critical to to where i'm at today with block health and it sounds like um, these those bureaucratic manual processes that um, were utilized at Medicus and kind of your frustration was that was part of your inspiration for starting Block Health. Is that 
Would that be kind of on the right track? Yeah. Yeah. It was a big, uh, you know, those frustrations, um, they continued to build up inside of me. And you know, one day I'm like, forget this. Let's just go do it. I'll take the summer to you know, not start anything officially, but, um, kind of learn more study. And, uh, you know, this, we ended up launching in fall of, uh, 2017. Awesome. Why, why did you decide to call the company block health? Like what's behind the name? A lot of people think it's because of blockchain technology, which we use for our verifications. But when I was looking at names, I, I, Settle on block health because, uh, you know, block B L O C stands for a group of people that join together to solve a common purpose. And, you know, when our team formed, we joined together to solve a common purpose, right? We wanted to make healthcare more streamlined. We wanted to help with these bureaucracy, uh, you know, the bureaucracy across the board. So I, I thought it worked out really well for, uh, you know, where we were at, the uh, you know, what we were trying to do with the business. Got it. And, you know, for the people listening, um, maybe if you could just provide a quick um, kind of overview on block health and what, uh, and what, what you guys do, that would be, that'd be helpful. Sure. So uh, block healthcare, uh, block healthcare, <laughs> block health's uh, mission <laughs> is to, unlock healthcare professional data, making it easily shareable. So what we've created is a universal common application that healthcare professionals or the administrators that work with healthcare professionals can fill out. So it complies with all of their credentialing, provider enrollment, uh, state licensing. They can use the data that they submit information uh, into once um, with our application, they can use it for any basically regulatory task. Um, when it, you know, as it relates to licensing, credentialing, provider enrollment, licensing in this instance meaning uh, a state license for them to be able to practice there. Credentialing meaning um, the information that's required to be verified before they can start work at a facility, and then provider enrollment meaning the information that gets checked and verified so that they can be insured. Uh, they can be enrolled with the various health plans that they'll end up billing with. Got it. So it's, um, I guess, really, really generally, um, healthcare application software. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, and then when you take into account the blockchain piece, when information needs to be checked, a record and in, in timestamp of that transaction from the primary source gets. Uh, published to a public blockchain so that that information can be verified and it's uh, verified, you know, via this, uh, this distributed ledger. Got it. And it, it sounds like, and also from reading from on the, uh, the block health website that a big problem that you're trying to solve within healthcare is this credentialing process. Um, yep. And I was wondering, kind of, what's why is it such a significant issue in today's healthcare world? Yeah, well, in order for a healthcare professional to start work in a facility and provide care to patients, they must be credentialed. So, any delays in credentialing or a long credentialing process means that you know, the provider doesn't get paid, the organization can't bill for revenue. And in some cases, access to care suffers because the patient's not getting to, you know, see a provider in a quick period of time in their area, you know, potentially. Um, and then also, I always say too, quality care can, quality of care can suffer because if you're not verifying the information properly, then you have random people that could be, you know, imposters trying to be a doctor or advanced practitioner working at a healthcare facility. Um, you know, it's, it's just a very arduous process right now. It takes 60 to 120 days to, to get credentialed at a healthcare facility, which is really crazy. So we're 
you know, we're continuously working to streamline that process. And, um, you know, we're a platform, right? Multiple stakeholders can use us to enter in information, verify information, and then share information across the platform. But, um, you know, as we move forward, we'll be adding additional features and services to the platform as well. Yeah, is it sounds like a lot of the processes now, whether it is within credentialing or um, I guess others within healthcare are very manual and paper-based. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, even the ones that are more digital, it's like, great, you're digital, but it might as well be paper-based because it's a slow digital process. It's just, um, you know, static information that doesn't change number one shouldn't have to be checked more than once and number two it should be able to be transposed onto any application you shouldn't require the professional to re-enter the same pieces of information more than once yeah are there any um other companies trying to or doing this in the space um like I guess that are like sort of like the big big players. Yeah, I mean this industry has been around for a while. Uh, there's there's a couple big players. Um, there's been a lot of consolidation that's occurred over the last several years. I mean, three of the smaller companies that we were competing with last year got acquired, um, and not by the bigger companies, by staffing companies. Interestingly enough. But yeah, there. I mean, there's some big ones. MD Staff's a big one. Uh, Simpler with a Y is yep. a big one. Um, and uh, you know, it's and then another one, big one that just got another big one just got acquired. So it's um, it's a relatively small space now with all the acquisitions taking place. But there's a, you know there's a handful of quality companies out there but that aren't necessarily innovating in the space and aren't allowing data to be used for multiple purposes and is that the big differentiator for block health is um being able to use the data um that your platform gathers for multiple purposes yeah i mean we have yeah so we have three big uh differentiators one we use blockchain technology for the verifications. That's game changing. Um, two, we allow them to use their information for multiple purposes, right? State licensing, credentialing, provider enrollment, um, and many other tasks where that information has to be leveraged. And um, you know, a, a third way is through um, allowing information to build in the database so that it's a, a click-based mobile-based application to make the updating of that information easy to use so have have you raised uh vc money um at the beginning it, it sounded like you were meeting with some or met with some current investors so um have you raised outside capital yeah we, we raised some money from angels last year via a convertible note um and we're looking to you know, raise additional capital, uh, and we're you know we're finalizing that right now in Q1. But um, yeah, I mean, and this will be from this will be from a mix of angels and, and VCs again. But um, yeah, you know, one of our advisors said to me the other day, as CEO, I'm always fundraising. Is what they told me. I'll yeah. always be fundraising. So it's um. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun process. Uh, you learn a lot throughout it, but yeah. And today was just about meeting with um, some previous investors and kind of strategizing uh, moving forward. Got it. Got it. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned about starting a business and entrepreneurship since since starting Block Health and uh, I guess starting on the journey? Yeah. Um, it's really been interesting to learn, you know, even, I mean, I, I know, you know, maybe my school just didn't teach me this, but a lot of schools don't seem to go into this either. You just have to learn on the fly. It's like, okay, you, you learn how to start a business and how to structure everything, but okay, you have to set up payroll services and you need to know how to use the payroll software and you need to, um, 
you know, need to get all your employees through a seamless onboarding process and then you need to get all your customers through a seamless onboarding process and how do you acquire customers the best way? Uh, how can you be super creative with it? So it's it was really around acquiring um, users and people to provide really good feedback and then how to just go about the you know everyday administrative tasks that a startup must engage in, especially in the early stages. I have to, you know, our, our team helps, um, but I have to do a lot of the administrative stuff too um, to make sure you know, everyone's getting paid and we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I can I can definitely also appreciate that. And um, in my first job coming out of school, um, I was the first employee hired at a startup, and a lot of what we did and even the first year was just building the infrastructure and um, kind of building the administrative processes to uh, actually allow us to start doing what we were going to tell people we were going to do. So um, yeah. I can definitely appreciate that. Um, did the thought ever cross your mind to quit block health and go back to working in, um, I don't know, as a biz dev rapper, um, I guess back in that sort of world. Oh, absolutely not. No, once, um, I'll, uh, I'll never go back. I, I'm super excited by what we're doing at block health. Um, uh, I think things will continue to, to be really good. We're moving in the right direction. Um, but even after block health, um, I'm not going back. I'll, uh, I'm always, I, you know, I, I love this. You get hooked on building, building a business, you know, from the ground up. Um, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's really cool to have a say in, in everything that's going on with the business and being able to position it in the best way possible. Yep. Yeah. Um, and have you had to sacrifice a lot socially um, and I guess relationships wise in order to, to start and run like uh, block health kind of similarly as kind of your, your college experience? Yeah. You don't get to see friends that much. Um, they don't understand when you have to cancel plans last minute because you have a call you have to hop on. They don't understand why you can't just tell the person you'll call them later or you why would you have a call at seven o'clock at night? Because like when a customer wants to talk to me or when an investor wants to talk to me, I talk to them. I don't tell them maybe later. Um, so there's definitely, you know, some friends that don't understand some family members that don't understand you know, why, you, why you can't uh, break, why, why it's okay to break plans with them, but you can't break plans with investors and customers, which is crazy that that's even a question. Right. But, uh, sure. But yeah, that's that's been something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely really tough. It's um, kind of widely known as kind of one of the biggest, um, I guess, things that people struggle with when when starting a business um, is actually the ramifications um, that come, I guess, outside of actually running the operations. But um, kind of it yeah. just takes a toll socially. So. Um, and in my past job, I can definitely, um, you know, empathize with that. Um, so I guess if you did have more time uh, in the day, what would you what would you do for fun? Or I, I guess if you had the time. Well, hopefully some tennis. <laughs> I, I would love to start playing more tennis. It is a goal of mine to, um, you know, maybe not even. This, this winter or spring but definitely this summer um i'm not far from the tennis court so uh i want to get back on the tennis court and uh and start playing some you know not not often but some matches here and there um but uh you know i always enjoy reading um going for for runs around boston um you know and, and seeing friends on occasion that'd be fun as well yeah yeah um if I'm if I'm around the area in uh, in Boston, I'd definitely be uh, be down to be down to play if uh, if you have yeah, time on the weekends. <laughs> I'd love that. That'd be a lot of fun. It'd be great to uh, to hit again. Yeah, 
gotta take it easy on me though until I get all <laughs> it's it's amazing though. I, I remember I, I did hit with someone a few weeks ago and it, it actually comes back like really quickly. Like the only difference is uh you know, picking up that that game speed, right? Where now you're you have to be really going back to a fast pace, heavy top spin. Uh, you know, positioning the serves in the right way if you're getting into match play. That's the biggest difference, um, which takes a little time to get back to that. Yeah, 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 for, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and do you think that being a tennis player helped you at all in dealing with all of the kind of mental ups and downs that come with starting a company? Yeah, I mean, it's so one-on-one. And that's, I mean, it's not to say that starting a company is one-on-one, but at the end of the day, you know, this is where people say it can be lonely when it comes to those big decisions like you you ask your team and you and you leverage their opinions on things but at the end of the day there's you can't look to anyone same thing with tennis right you're playing bad or you're you're playing good it's because of it's because of what you're doing um and you need to figure it out if you're not doing something great same thing with with starting a business um sometimes there's people there to help you but you need to figure it out. So it's, it's that, it was that one-on-one, um, you know, I always played one-on-one sports too. I did wrestling, um, along with tennis and a little before tennis, but, um, it's just that, that one-on-one sport mentality of, uh, figuring out when you're doing something wrong, how to fix it and moving past it. Yeah. And were, um, I guess, were you ever a fan of team sports or did you ever do I guess the traditional kind of team sports growing up or were you always, um, I don't know, doing the kind of one-on-one sports? I like soccer. Um, I played soccer in high school too. Um, Still like soccer. I loved, this was like after I got out of college, I started really getting into basketball. So that's how I put, you know, I tore my groin playing pickup basketball. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I love uh, I love soccer and basketball now. I love watching football, but I I never played it. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough that's a tough one to play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially kind of uh, outside of college. Um, well, funny story. I was going to quit tennis to play football. Uh, wow! At um, when I was in seventh grade, I was ready like i love football and um my tennis coach said that would be one of the dumbest things you could do (laughs) (laughs) so uh i didn't play football um i just never showed up to uh, camp (laughs) oh man yeah um yeah i know for me i I definitely couldn't play football i don't uh, i don't have the the body type for it but uh I don't either, but I was going to do like one of those Rudy type things, you know, <laughs> just like overcome <laughs> and uh, either get my butt kicked or, you know, make a couple plays that like people scratch their heads. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Overcome all odds. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Oh, that's funny. Um, okay. Uh, I guess to, to end here, um, what advice would you give for, um, any of the people listening who are thinking about maybe taking the risk to start a company, um, but don't really know when the right time might be. Um, well, find lots of mentors before then, right? Mentors that are at where you want to be, leverage them, learn from them and, um, just plan, plan, plan really early. You can do a lot with starting a business. Now, if you're competing with your current business in any way, you know, that's obviously different, but you can do a lot, you know, between that five to you know, 6 p.m. and after part of the day. So don't just quit and, and start uh, start a business. Plan ahead, know your industry really well, and take the necessary steps after, you know, your full-time job and start you know, getting the wheels in motion beforehand so that you're doing some things on a part-time basis before you go, you know, and and quit your job and dive all into it. I couldn't do that because I was in not necessarily a competing space, but uh, a similar space. So I couldn't do that. Um, but that's my advice for people that, that can. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty helpful advice. Um, nowadays, people kind of feel like, um, or they might be pressured to um, kind of do something now, or like, I want to be an entrepreneur right now. <laughs> um, but that, that sort of stuff really takes a lot of time. Um, so I think it's uh, uh, yeah definitely wise that you said that for sure. I mean, that being said, hey, if someone wants to quit their job tomorrow and go all in, if they're going to go all in, like really all in, then that's fine with me too. That's not a, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because if you're willing to go, you know, 200% effort the day after you quit your job, then things are probably going to do really well for you, you know, go really well for you as well. Um, so it's, it's about the person, you know, sure. certain people should take that slow approach. And then there's other people that are like, hell yeah, go 110% at it, you know, and just quit your job today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jared, um, thanks again for coming on. Um, it was great to catch up. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and um, thanks for putting up with me. I'm just getting over a, a cold, so I'm sure I sound a little nasally. Um, but uh, I appreciate you having me on your uh, your podcast. This is great. I can't wait to continue listening to all your other episodes. And uh, let's definitely stay in touch. And hopefully we can play tennis at some point. That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where can people go to find out more information about uh, Block Health? Um, check out, just check out our website, um, www.blochealth.com. Uh, we post a lot on LinkedIn, so our LinkedIn uh, page as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, I, I, can't, I don't always have time to, but if anyone wants to contact me directly, too, happy to talk your ear off about what we're doing. <laughs> it's always yeah. fun for me when I'm um, – I always have my ear pods in walking around somewhere talking to someone. So there's uh, <laughs> there's always time to, to chat about what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. Um, and you guys can also follow me on Instagram at ChaseRosa4 uh, for updates on new episodes and on my endurance training journey. Um Thanks everyone who's listening and I'll see you next time.